Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of the Jack Hughes podcast and today I'm absolutely delighted to speak to Jem Jalal. Jem has worked in large corporations and small startups ranging from investment banking to pharmaceuticals. He's worked with over 40 teams in all different states, all with different needs. His focus over the last three years has been organisational design, helping with restructuring and coaching C-levels C-level members on mindset surrounding servant leadership. Jem describes himself as an idealistic pragmatist, working with the options available whilst always aspiring to do things better, alongside coaching individuals and teams to find better ways of working. Jem, good afternoon. Thank you for your time. I'm always good to, good to speak with you, Jack, and thanks for having me on. No problem. I gave you a small intro there. Do you just want to tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and the journey you've been on so far? Yeah, sure. Um, I think in a nutshell, uh, I'm a career Scrum Master, um, and I, I come across um, Scrum and, and Agile bits for, say, 2008, and I've been more focused on um, developing my my coaching skills in the last half decade. Um, but I, I work outside of software as well as uh, within the you know technology domain, um, and that's really it, yeah. So where are you at the moment? You're based in London, or I'm right, yeah. So right now I work at Vocalink. We've um, been recently acquired by Mastercard. I'm based out in Rickmansworth and Dunstable. Uh, I work looking over an area called um, Core as a coach that involves products that you might know about and our listeners. Things like backs, like backs payments. It's as old as the hills. And I've been involved in coaching Scrum masters, helping with organisational design, and. Um, Really trying to guide some continuous improvement with the guys there. Sounds good, sounds good. So I'm going to jump straight into it and just uh, talk about leadership and what does a, a modern leader or a leader in this day and age with all the obstacles that we've come across mean to you and how do you overcome you know, certain aspects of political correctness and the way teams and individuals are at the moment? Yeah, it's a, it's a really loaded question, isn't it? Especially when all the hype is about leadership. Um, what I would say is, so when I think about leadership, um, coming from the word lead, and you know, trying to take people to a certain place, and I think good leadership starts with situational awareness. Okay, you know, knowing what makes sense, um, when and where. If you get stuck in any extreme, um, believing that. You know, we have to always uh, rely on self-organisation, or we have to always rely on taking a level of assertiveness and control. We've got to know uh, when to do what, and I think making sense of a situation, um, be it life experience, using you know your rational mind and having a level of intu- you know intuition. These elements combined, I think, are the start of a good leader. Um, I certainly think that good leaders are those that don't actually talk about leadership either. So there are people that lead by example. Um, if there is such a good thing as um, good religion, not that I'm religious, it's to kind of not preach the gospel of being a great leader, but just 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 behave in the way that um, you believe is useful. Um, but just I just want to go back up to what I said about the situational um, kind of awareness. Making sense of situations um, for me has been the most important part of my learning. And often when you come in as an agile coach or you're a scrum master or a Kanban practitioner, you can be wedded to a, an ideology or a way of working and you may not know it, you may be trying to drive an approach, um, but you haven't really listened or understood 
what people need. You haven't really tried to make an understand of the way that things are working at, a, at that moment in time. So the rule of you know two ears or one mouth, I think, serves all leaders as well. In terms of um, you know, like characteristics, for me, leadership is about being able to show vulnerability. Um, you can't fake you know authenticity. And what what that doesn't mean though is to be reckless. Okay, so some people believe to be authentic, you know, you should say what's on your mind, and if you need to lash out, lash out. That's called being reckless. And I think the rugby metaphor works well in that having you know fire in your belly but ice in your brain. So you know having a passion, but knowing how to convert that passion to a useful place. Because more often than not, um, I've mis- mistook um, you know good leadership to mean misguided enthusiasm. Um, so maybe more, um, you know, evolution than revolution. But again, I'll go back to what I said at the start. It's about making sense of a situation. Maybe you need to be a bit more disruptive. You you asked around as well, Jack. Um, you were saying, you know, how you overcome things like saying things like political correctness and these types of things. Yeah, I just think, and from my own experience and from my own learning, coming from a background that wasn't involved in the corporate world, you know, I had to very much, I wouldn't say tame, but I had to be aware of the audience, you know, the certain things you can say in the military that you just can't say in the office or in, you know, the corporate environment you and I now work in. Um, but I think there is a point where you have to be able to stand up and not be afraid. And not, not upsetting, we never want to upset people, but sometimes you, you have to be strong enough to, to realise that you ha- a decision has to be made. You know, if you've got a room full of people, sometimes it can take longer to make a decision. And sometimes a decision just needs to be made. Um, yeah. Servant leadership or not, sometimes we just have to put the politics aside and, and just get, get stuff done, essentially. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, I think it was, you know, what you said at the start, when you might have mentioned the, the term in, in how I describe myself, and it's probably very wordy for a lot of people, but it's, <clears throat> it's it's more simple than it sounds. And when I talk about being an idealistic pragmatist, I think that comes into what I believe um, is what a good leader should aspire to try and get to. We've all got our ideals. You know, we, we, we've all got the things that we want to aspire to achieve, and we often um, think we know what good looks like, both in the way that we conduct ourselves as humans um, you know, ethically, in society, work, whatever. And we've also got a pragmatic part of ourselves, which is whereby you take the best action that you can according to the context that you're in. And it's knowing where I think to, to move the needle, okay? If you're too pragmatic, you can end up falling into the trap of um, complacent, you know, being complacent and managing the status quo. If you're too idealistic, then you never have any kind of compromise and you could it border on the line of becoming a zealot. And so again, making you know making the distinction of when to you know push a little bit harder, when to challenge things a little bit harder, I think comes down to things like your EQ, which um, you know emotional intelligence. When we're talking about leadership, if it means making sense of situations, like we said at the start, that really is around emotional intelligence. So you know elements like. You know, understanding emotions or perceiving emotions, managing emotions, using emotions, all of these things are about really personal mastery. Um, the better that one understands themselves, the more that they reflect, um, I think the more that they can be aware of 
you know, how they do and they don't come across. So you may be the most well-intended person in the world. Unfortunately, um, perception is reality. And this is something that I've grappled with in my career where very early on I knew what I wanted to do and I believe that I believe it was well intended, but people don't see intentions. People see um, your actions. Yeah. So, you know, working on emotional intelligence has been, uh, or my own self awareness, whether it's through a regular journal, asking for, for feedback, um, being able to, you know, just, just look at it from different angles and perspectives has made a big difference in what I believe is um, leadership that we all have in ourselves. So you just touched on something, a good point actually, which you, I okay. wouldn't mind if you can delve more into. So feedback is fuel in my opinion, and we do the same sort of role, so we can't do our jobs without feedback. But the challenge is sometimes that teams don't want to give it, and you can yes. do every workshop under the sun. You can say, you, you know, you can basically um, create feedback, but sometimes it just doesn't come. Have you, have you found that? I mean, plenty of times, um, you know, if, if you were to, to read any kind of agile book around teams, of course you're told, you know, get what the team are saying and use their feedback to make, you know, new decisions. And, if, and even for yourself, I w- I'd like to know what you think of me. Um, but if you come in as a coach or a scrum master, even if you don't have authority, it's an unsaid law for some people that they don't want to get on the wrong side of you for, in some cases, right? Not in every... But it comes down to psychological safety. And this is where, again, I think emotional intelligence needs to make sense. Not everything is going to come out in a retrospective. Okay? It's about being able to build rapport with individuals as well. And, you know, again, as cliche as it sounds, everything comes down to trust. Everything comes down to trust. And people want to know if you're competent, if you're sincere, and if what you're going to do with the information is discreet, you know, not acted upon if that's what you've agreed, or if it is taken, um, you know, taken on, something useful is done with it. So, you know, I think you need to think outside of the box. You've got to go beyond agile literature, and you've got to think about some of the basics in social interactions. Um, you know, having one-to-ones with people, demonstrating that you're competent, demonstrating that you're trustworthy, demonstrating that you can show your vulnerability, all of these variables play a big part in people beginning to feel psychologically safe with you. And even if they do feel safe with you, in a team setting, there may be people, even if there is no hierarchy, um, that they there's an unspoken law, that they can't say that because the lead developer's there. And you need to have the, the EQ and the awareness to try and spot these things and try and pull people to the side. And not create an us versus them, but create a space whereby you, know, you can see if you can learn about their true feelings without being a threat. Um, so it's definitely not straightforward. No, it's not as simple as uh, a couple of post-its and sharpies and putting our thoughts and feelings on the floor. If only it was that simple. Yeah, but if it was uh, simple, we'd, be, we'd only be bored and be moaning about that. So that's interesting. So in terms of the teams you've worked with in the last three years or so, what are the, the three common mistakes you see in terms of you're observing you know, a coach or you've gone in for some consultancy? What what are the three main things you see that maybe are a bit broken or need to be fixed? Um, I think the, the commonalities that I see is that 
people leadership can be very well intended so leadership often so you, you, you've heard of Spotify and you want to use the Spotify model only that you can't use a model because a model is just another way to, to, to view the world and if you take a, a model verbatim and you cookie cutter it um, you're not making sense of your situation your context you're not getting the best out of it and as a theme this is one of the most common things that I see so this is like my 24th role I've had in a decade I'm very nomadic people um want recipes and they don't take the time to make sense of things themselves and there's different reasons for that the first I think might be they don't know what they don't know okay um, they they might be following someone who doesn't know themselves and they don't know they don't know but also even a leader who's aware that they need to make sense of situations what it can come down to is fear fear of experimentation to innovate and experiment and create um, an environment that allows agile to thrive where you are and what, what you do it means that you have to experiment and it can't be an experimentation if you can't fail and some companies will believe that they don't have enough time to fail or experiment they can't you know they, they want to innovate a product but they don't want to innovate their ways of working so um, they're, they're stuck in this, in, this, in this kind of mental trap of as long as we buy this agile box thing and we implement it, it'll work. But we don't have any time to make sense of it. So that's the most common thing I, I think I see across where I work. Leaders who are well-intended, who are looking for, you know, they're looking for that silver bullet. And if I was to say another common part of this, and it's to dovetail into this area, there's a lack of understanding of um, what technology is and I'm not saying as a, as a CEO that you need to be um, you know savvy in writing code or setting up a CI infrastructure I'm not saying that what I'm saying though is if you make sense it's back to that making sense thing again Jack if you make sense of something which is complex or complicated as simple it's going to have a big bearing on the way that you work right so if you think software is mostly defined uh, predictive, deterministic, mechanical. If we do enough um, study and analysis up front, everything will be known. You know, you're inevitably going to be in a difficult place because not if, but when things change, you haven't you haven't developed the expectations or the capability to respond to change. But if you know that software, um, a large amount of it, if we're talking about innovation, is about you know complexity, then you will manage your expectations and you will want to develop a level of resilience and you know, adaptability that doesn't stop change, but it's ready to respond to it. And you could, I could answer this in one line, which would have been, you know, leaders probably want to learn about what complexity theory or complexity science is. It's not about, um, do you know what I mean? It's not about always stopping the change or trying to apply control into situations that you can't actually control. It's about setting up situations so that we can inspect and adapt and take the best action that we can to manage risk. So they're the two main ones. And I think the final one would be, um, you, we joked about it before, but there's, there's, there's an understanding, I think, from a lot of developers um, that you can just simply shoehorn agile practices into very old and monolithic kinds of ways of working. And so again, sense-making um, is required by them. Look, not every team can be product-centric. Okay? Some teams may be component teams and they pass on work to one another and although that creates waste, because they're such a large corporation, that's going to be the next best step. 
So making sense of the right tools for the right job from people in kind of, dare I use it, term middle management. Um, yeah, so that, that would round that up for me. No, perfect. So I wrote a few notes there for the listeners just to take some key points away. We want to eliminate fear, build trust, and create an environment where experimentation is seen as a positive and not, a neg- not as a negative. That's what I took from that as a, as a small summary. Um, yeah, you've, I think you've just hit the nail on the head, really. We just need to create those positive environments and understand that we're not always going to have control over certain situations, especially in software. It's design work at the end of the day. It's not you know, on a, an assembly line doing... You know, one Jack thing to build on this is that there may be some things that have got um, cause and effect, which is simple. Okay, there are there may be some things um, that you do in technology, few things. But taking a step back from like making sense of situations, I often think that um, some people don't have an awareness that their previous way of working wasn't working. Okay, and so without that awareness, um, many agile coaches, scrum masters, any change agents come up against. Um, a wall and they may be offering the best ideas the best case studies or whatever but they don't have the tools to create the awareness and I think in any change that you want to create there needs to be awareness that the, the, the way of working right now is not working and once you've got the awareness people need a desire once they've got the desire they need the support to actually make it happen so I'm just trying to say that change agents themselves to be able to overcome these very common areas I've seen where people may you know, not get it right or wrong, is how do you bring them on the journey and create that desire so that they you know, they want to follow through? Because even people that want to follow through will fall back into their old reflexes, even people you know, who believe there's a, you know, a glaring problem, let alone those who don't. So just having a strategy and having a methodical way to help people through change at times is useful. Yeah, exactly. Jam? I can't thank you enough for that 18 minutes of pure knowledge and wisdom. But I am going to let you uh, shoot off now, as I know you've got an appointment shortly, as have I. But again, thank you very much for your time, mate. It's been uh, really well appreciated. I'm sure it will be greatly received. Um, Just quickly before we wrap up, where can we find out a bit more about you? Are you posting on any social media platforms? Well, I have to say LinkedIn is my my true home. So... um Please find me on there, Jem Jalal. And Jack, thank you very much for the time. And um, I'm not sure they're wise words, but it's, it's certainly my experience. And that's all we can ask for, Jem. Thanks very Thanks, much. Jack. All right. See you, mate.